Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Take a walk with co-hosts Phyllis Fagel and Joe Mazza as they discuss self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education and is designed to support the concepts outlined in our foundational text, The Successful Middle School, This We Believe. Learn more at amle.org. Today's episode, Forward is a Pace, Normalizing the Challenges of this School Year. Hey, Phyllis, how's it going? Hi, Joe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still standing. It's Friday. We made it through what feels like month seven, but is only actually, what is this, week three, two? Um, this was our first four. full week, but we had like a two-day week and a three-day week and a four-day week. And we've been just kind of selling it as we've been ramping it up and making sure that we're going to smoothly go into the school year. But man, I'm feeling like I got my butt kicked. I hear you. And I, I really feel for all administrators out there right now and all teachers, I just feel like it's extremely hard to manage the demands of everything being thrown at anyone working in a school right now. It's just been almost nonstop. I feel like if the gold standard in counseling is that you're proactive and you're ahead of problems. I feel like I am putting out fires left and right. Everything feels reactive. I always feel like I'm doing things in the 11th hour and that to-do list just never seems to get shorter. Is that how you feel too? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like it's, we're getting to know everyone. I'm onboarding new teachers. We have a lot of new staff onboarding all these new fifth graders that are building and getting to know their families and, um, and, and COVID is still here. It didn't like, it's not taking any less time than it did last year, you know, with everything that we've got to do every day to, to check and to be safe and to get the structures, but we're doing a lot more things that we did pre COVID, you know, clubs, sports, you know, music, all those things, but they just require these different, you know, so that our jobs as teachers, you know, has just gotten larger. You know, and um, I think one of the things we want to do on this episode is really normalize that this is really hard. You know, if your friends that are teachers tell you that everything is great and we've gotten off to a really smooth start, they're totally lying to your face. <laughs> <laughs> but it is good to be back with kids. Um, and, um, you know, the work is, you know, as we say most most of the time that we're on these podcasts, we have to put the oxygen mask on ourselves before we help the folks in our care. Um, but as we'll talk today, it's really hard to give me a wellness tip right now and have me take it seriously because I'm spent. I, I believe it. And actually, I think it's one of the things that I think is making it harder all around is that no one really seems to be at their peak right now. And in some ways, and I know the two of us were talking about this earlier, it's harder in the sense that kids don't have the stamina. They're not as used to routines. They're insecure. They want their teachers to like them. They feel intense emotions right now. They aren't sure who their friends are. There's a bit more conflict. There's more acting out. I know we will talk a little bit about that whole devious licks uh, TikTok challenge today too. But on the other hand, there is an upside. It seems like a lot of my students are more open about how they're struggling with one another and with the adults. There's more of an openness that it's okay to not be okay. And I feel like 
there's a little bit less too cool for school going on and more of a sense of seeming younger than they did when the last time they were here under normal conditions. They are in many ways looking, I think, for nurturing. So typically I would say talk to middle schoolers as if they're older and more mature than they are. Right now, I feel like for a lot of them, they actually wanna be treated like they're a bit younger. They wanna feel like you, you're caring for them and nurturing them. Are you seeing any of those things too? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have a K-8 building, correct? Yes. You know, we, our building is is 5'8". And, you know, I think coming into the year um, and even as we ended last year, we're all looking forward to this is going to be a lot simpler. There's going to be a lot less rules. And, um, and you know, we started the year with certain guidelines as every school did. But, you know, last week we actually had to add an additional guideline for outdoor eating being six feet outdoors, even if you're not vaccinated. And that was, you know, three weeks into the school year, year, it went over like a lead balloon, you know, and we really try to help kids understand, especially our eighth graders that, you know, we respect you, we want to give you autonomy, we know you're growing, we know we can trust you. Um, we want to give you some of those opportunities. And we went backwards, you know, and just that message that, um, you know, that we're trying to give every day that really flew in the face of that. So, you know, I, I think we this week we really spent some time cleaning up some behaviors that, you know, knowing these kids, I know stemmed in. Wait a minute. I thought we weren't going to be treated like babies. I thought that they could trust us. Why are we doing this? And, you know, last year it was so locked down, so dictated, you know, no one could. Um, you know, really question it. But, you know, this year we started off a little bit looser, but now we get, we've gotten tighter. I don't know if the regulations there have, have changed for you at all. You know, we're still in masks. We're not distancing in the same way in the middle school because most of them are vaccinated, although there are a few more restrictions in the, in the younger grades where kids are not vaccinated. And it's interesting what you were saying about the eighth graders. One of the things we try to do in our school is give the eighth graders opportunities to be leaders in the building. We know that's developmentally appropriate. We know that they look forward to that over the years when they're a student here. And recently I was outside uh, just monitoring a book club that eighth graders were leading for seventh graders. And they came up with the discussion questions. They were leading the discussion. I hadn't even read the book. I was literally just there because it was being held outside and it was supervisory. And so I just sat back and listened. And what struck me was first how thrilled they were to have that leadership role, how important it still was, even in the face of so many other changes. And also what struck me is that teachers, if you don't think your students are listening to you, they are listening to every word you say, because when they were trying to do, you know, quote unquote, classroom management with these seventh graders, they used every teacherism I had ever heard from one, two, three eyes on me to you two, what's so funny, please fill me in on the joke to don't be scared. This is a brave space or you two. They need flip to the lights on and off. <laughs> Maybe they would have if we had been outside, but you know, kids are still kids. And I think because adults' stamina is down a little bit as well, it's harder to roll with some of what can feel like disrespect. So I thought I'd also share some comments that 
middle schoolers at a school that I spoke at recently during an assembly shared with me, because I think there's a, a bit of a disconnect between what middle schoolers think they're communicating and what adults hear. So a couple of them that really stood out for me, one was giving a valid excuse isn't talking back. Another one was, I don't have an attitude. I'm just asking why not. And then they also shared some, made some comments that really reflected that neediness that I was talking about, which I also think is why some of them are pushing buttons a little bit more to make you prove to them that you like them. One kid said, uh, just so you know, I'm having an identity crisis. Another one said, can you please let me know you're there for me? Another I said, think like as you read these, yes. you know, each of them are a little bit different from the next. And I and I, you know, I know you're talking about these students, you know, I think as you're listening, as you're a middle school educator, you know, these are all of the kids that you're seeing every day. You know, they might not be saying this, they might not have it written on your forehead, but, you know, the things, the topics these that are coming up, the things that they're worried about, things that they're saying, their emotions all over the place. You know, it's not just this particular group that, you know, that you're talking about that those responses represent everyone that we're working with every day. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, sometimes we're limited in, in terms of only the things that we hear or we see or we read, you know, oh, those things might not be going on, but they are, you know, they, they, they really are the more that we get to know our kids this year. It's true. And actually, I was curious and I read those same comments to my seventh graders when I went in to do my first health and wellness class today, uh, which they were all dreading. And I decided not to start with puberty because I just feel like going back to this idea that they're a little bit more dysregulated, we needed to start with something that was a little less intense and anxiety provoking for them. So we started with body image and disordered eating and healthy nutrition, which also has become a big issue. A lot of kids are struggling with eating issues right now in large part, I think, because they have lacked a sense of control. I, I spoke to a physician recently who said that at Children's Hospital in DC, they had seen a 40% increase in admissions for eating related issues. But when I read those comments to the kids, they agreed with them and then they added some more of their own. And at the end, I asked them if they had any questions. And I thought their questions also revealed so much about where they are right now. One of them said, I'm worried my friend might have an eating disorder because she doesn't eat at lunch. Another said, what do I do if I don't wanna eat lunch? Another one said, what should you do if you feel like you are fat shaming yourself? And a boy said, next time we have a class like this, can you talk about body image in sports? It's almost, if we're not asking kids about what's going on inside their heads. If we're not asking, we're missing out. They're really important questions. These are really important worries, you know, that could really help another kid or not, you know? So I know that you solicited this. I wonder how many of us are soliciting this. Those that have strong advisory programs, those don't. We know that there's reasons why. Um, you know, we've certainly been fighting for our advisory and trying to make it stronger each year. Um, but, you know, if we thought last year was the year of advisory, um, you know, last year was the year of the pod, you know, the advisory piece now and rebuilding um, and just being there um, for kids um, and empathizing with them. Um, I, I think it's 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 tricky, um, you know, especially when we're talking about the staff and that oxygen mask, putting that on yourself because we're, you know, we are a little bit burnout, but 
I think we want to talk a little bit about today about, you know, some things that we can actually do to, you know, to support them, to address them um, and put some things on the table that you might be seeing or not seeing yet, um, so to speak. So we can help move, move into, um, you know, the, the upcoming week. We've got open house coming up where, um, you know, all of our clubs uh, start next week. All of our sports started this week. Um, the music has started like we are doing things that we haven't done in two years. And, you know, that itself brings, um, you know, lots of anxiety in lots of different ways, whether you're the teacher, whether you're the principal, the guidance counselor, the student and the parent. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. This is great to be doing all these things, but um, there's certainly opportunities to reflect and making sure that we're doing it and not just rushing it all out there, but doing it very strategic and getting feedback on how it's going because it is rolling out differently than it ever has because of you know the structures that we need to have. And the kids are thrilled to be doing these activities, but I think we also need to be talking to them about pacing themselves. Maybe they did a sport and an instrument and they tried out for the play and they were on student council the last time we were in school in a normal way or a more normal way. And right now they might be better off choosing one activity and just because having homework, and that was another thing that's come up a lot, kids are like, I can't do homework. I'm so fried at the end of the day. I can't just go home and do more homework. And I think we need to be looking at what we're asking kids to do in the afternoon in this age group, what they're capable of, encouraging them to get some exercise first, to get outside, to take a break. Otherwise, we're going to see a lot more leakage like that devious licks challenge, which I'll let oh, you share what's going yes. on at school. Oh. <laughs> Yes, I was just joking with some principal friends last week, the week before, like, oh, you're dealing with that? No, we haven't seen that. You know, our kids are, you know, they don't really destroy the school. They, they respect our school and, and, and this and that. But um, we got hit this week a little bit. Um, and luckily, we have some cameras. So we we're able to, you know, hold some kids responsible. But, um, you know, I, Devious Lex, if you're not familiar with it, is when kids either steal something and record it and post it on TikTok from the school or break something or anything that's going to be looked at as, oh, my gosh, you know, and get a like or, or another view or whatever. And they put it on TikTok. TikTok has, at least they've said they have recently stopped accepting those videos and people are taking them down as they put them up, which is really good to hear out of a social media company because we haven't quite got that support with like Snapchat, for example, you know, we're pretty much on our own as educators, you know, um, it did hit us and we were able to hold some kids responsible. And luckily so, because it's the beginning of the year and when these things happen and nothing happens, they seem to continue. Um, but I also see it as a real opportunity for learning across our school. And, you know, so Monday, I'm writing an advisory lesson this weekend. So Monday, we can talk a little bit about, you know, taking pride in our school, you know, pride in ourselves, you know, putting things on social media, um, just just being real about we're back in school. We know there's a lot going on. Um, we know some of you are new and just kind of feeling out the rules and this and that. But you know, what I don't see in here and that is any kind of focus on getting organized, you know, getting into a certain book, you know, refocusing ourselves on the things that we love about school. Because, listen, kids can say they hate school and blah, blah, blah. But there's some really cool things about school that we can get involved in and start to turn the turn the tides here on on our on our feelings. 
know. And actually that's sort of an upside of the pandemic, if we can call it an upside or look for one upside, it's that I think kids appreciate school in a way that they didn't before, even kids who might've been a bit down on it. There are other kids who are absolutely refusing to come to school and having other issues that tend not to have as much to do with academics as with other things going on in their lives. But what I loved about how you handled the this situation with kids breaking the rules at your school, Joe, is that you didn't punish the whole school. You didn't lock the bathrooms and make kids ask, because I think what that does is it destroys the trust. It blames everyone for the actions of just a few. And for kids who are really anxious, they might not feel comfortable, even if they have a phys- even if they're in physical distress, interrupting a class to ask that teacher to let them have. If the you key. lock the bathrooms when something like this is happening, such a small percentage of kids, you're throwing gasoline on this problem because then you're going to have kids, you know, like we, you know, you said before we got on, we were discussing this a little bit that, you know, maybe don't feel comfortable raising their hand and, and going to the bathroom and getting permission. And they're going to, they're going to pee themselves. You know, we're going to create more problems and more anxieties that are unnecessary. Um, so, you know, I got on the announcements and I pretty much, you know, had the conversation about why would we be doing this to custodians who have had our backs since the very beginning of this yeah. pandemic? Um, and, you know, just a look in the mirror conversation. And, yeah. um, you know, we know our kids, they came to us, they let us know what they saw. It helped us, you know, process these things. But, you know, thank you, TikTok, and uh, whoever started that mess um, for getting that started. I'm not a TikTok person, so I, I haven't really seen much on there, but I've certainly read about it. And um, I, I think that. that all of these kids, we need to find positive outlets for them to feel like they're getting that attention that they crave. And I think that they are craving a lot of attention. And sometimes, as we know, behavior is communication and it doesn't necessarily have to be good behavior, but it's serving that purpose of getting attention for kids. And it goes back to that concept of mattering that Ken Ginsberg, who's a resiliency expert and a developmental pediatrician talks about a lot, kids need to feel that they matter. And so whether that's giving them roles and responsibilities, whether it's giving them an opportunity to do what our eighth graders were doing, running a book club for younger kids, it could be really anything, volunteering, doing something for the community. I think that at a time when so many kids feel small and powerless, it gives them back that feeling that they matter, that they can contribute, which I hope will cut down on some of the acting out behaviors we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think teachers, you know, when you combine a lack of stamina um, as we, you know, enter the fourth week of school um, and some of these other impulsive behaviors and you know, behaviors were at a minimum last year. When you're in a pod with a small group of kids, when they're supervised one adult to 14 or 15 kids during lunch recess all day, you know, this is a different situation. You know, we're actually down a couple recess lunch monitors. So the AP and I have spent a lot of time doing that at lunch these last couple of weeks, you know, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just something that I think we've got to, you know, reset our minds in terms of what the reality of this year is and is going to be. Um, you know, masks are not going anywhere. The Delta variant is different. It is more contagious. Um, I'm, I'm just as busy as I was last year in terms of, you know, getting reports and tests and having to check about if there was an exposure here and exposure there. Um, and kids don't necessarily see that. You know, we need to be that vigilant. They just know that they're together all the time outside of school. And they do this and that. And they're doing sports. And why would they have all these rules at school? 
Right. You know, when you were talking, I was thinking about, so that same health and wellness class, after we talked about that article in the Wall Street Journal about how Facebook knew that Instagram, they had done internal research showing that Instagram was damaging to teens' mental health. And then we talked about it and I gave them a choice of a lot of different reflection questions. And afterwards they shared out and they all chose to focus on the same reflection question, which was, what does it mean to be kind to yourself? And it felt poignant that they wanted to focus on that one because I think we're all being a little hard on ourselves. We all are just trying to keep it together. And my husband who does Peloton, I know you do Peloton too, Joe, the other day he was quoting the instructor who said forward is a pace and it is forward is a pace. And I think that as we go into whatever week of the school year it is, I can no longer keep track of time. I just have to keep reminding myself, kids have to keep reminding themselves administrators, teachers, everybody has to keep reminding themselves to be kind to yourself. And as one of my students said, defining what being kind to yourself is, they said, talking to yourself and treating yourself the way you would treat a really good friend. And I think that's a good reminder that we might all need right now. Yeah, absolutely. And yet, yes, I'm a new Peloton junkie. Um, we've been doing the imitation Peloton with the bike and the apps and the sensors and whatnot. We finally broke down and got one. Um, and uh, I don't know, is there, an, is there a middle level educator Peloton group out there? I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I'm um, sure. The funny thing is I, I shared that quote because I liked it. And all of these people wanted to know my Peloton handle and I don't do Peloton, but I can tell you from all of the DMs I got that there are a lot of middle school educators who do do Peloton. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm eight, eight days and eight workouts in and, and it's, I like it because this is the first time I've exercised eight times. In, awesome. uh, in eight days. I don't know if I exercised eight times last year. Um, <laughs> well, share out your handle right now and people can good. find it. It's good. It's good. But what's your Peloton handle, Joe? You can share it right now. It is yeah. the same as my Twitter handle, Joe underscore Mazza. Um, and uh, we have um, a staff ride during the weekends. So we, um, you know, I think there's 17 or 18 of our teachers here that um, either have a Peloton or using the app or whatnot. And so we have a ride on Saturday morning and Sunday afternoon. So if you look up the hashtag, we are 7B, um, those would be our seven bridges uh, teachers uh, on there trying to work out and, and take care of themselves uh, and give them some of their tells. And, you know, while we're on that topic, I think those instructors do a good job of helping you not only push yourself, but know that you can treat yourself too, and, and like take the time to do that. Don't go zero to 60. Um, recovery is really important. Pacing yourself is really important. Um, but prioritizing wellness, you know, we're, why we really started this podcast is knowing that, you know, this is hard work um, even before the pandemic happened. Um, and, you know, we're going to continue to have to look after ourselves and also look after our colleagues, you know, the people, the person on each side of your room, are you checking in on them? How are they doing? Um, the person that's on the bottom floor that isn't next to a whole lot of classes, are you checking in on them too? You know, I certainly try to do that as much as possible as an administrator getting around to everyone, but you know, those local team conversations, don't let anyone be out on an Island. You know, it's uh, we're three, four weeks in some people have completely dropped their stamina but we're heading into one of the more important weeks of the school year. We've got open house, you know, where we're going to share with parents what we're doing every day with them, because we know our middle school not go home and open up their mouths and say everything they're doing. So I know parents are really curious. Yeah, that's great advice, Joe. 
Um, so I guess to get some free advice out of you here, Phyllis, if you were talking to your students at your middle school about this devious licks or anything that has to do with, you know, taking, um, I guess, just responsibility for your school, what are some of the things that we can have kids reflect on? You know, I actually had this conversation with my own eighth grade son. We were, it happened at his school too. And he was asking me why, you know, if I had heard that that had happened and he was, he was like, no, they're never going to figure out who it is. I said, no, they're totally going to figure out who it is because kids talk and there are cameras. They do always figure it out. And what we agreed as we were talking about the whole issue is that you need to really help kids understand the impact of their behavior. Who is it hurting? Yeah, maybe for that nanosecond, they get that like, and they think they've impressed somebody. But what do you actually think about someone who would do that? And how is that going to impact building services? And who would have to clean it up if the person wasn't caught? And what would be an appropriate consequence, a logical consequence if the person is caught. And we were talking about how the kids who did it should have to replace the items, should have to clean the spaces, maybe should have to keep that bathroom clean up longer than just that one time, but have some kind of ongoing, have a conversation with that building services person who was impacted initially, maybe write a letter and maybe have to teach younger students about what they learned. You could come up with all kinds of ways for kids to really reflect on on the experience, but helping them understand that what might seem funny in the moment is actually really hurting and damaging to people who have done so much to keep them safe over the last year and a half. But I do think at the same time, we have to give them that path back, not just because uh, it's a consequence, but because we want them to have a way forward. We don't want them to get stuck in shame. Kids in this age group make impulsive, stupid decisions all of the time. And we can't say that you're a bad person. We can't. Oh, no, it's your prefrontal cortex. You're missing a third of your brain. We know it's going to happen. That's why we love middle school. And that's you know, why gonna, actually we're work with you. Yeah. And that's why I love the concept of inoculation theory, which really involves previewing a scenario, telling a kid why they might be tempted to do the wrong thing, and then giving them a compelling counter argument for why they shouldn't do that thing. Maybe they would actually lose respect in the eyes of their peers or not think about themselves as being a good person, whatever it might be. But you have to preview these scenarios. You can't really predict all of them like devious looks. I didn't see that one coming. But <laughs> the, the research shows, though, that if you do it across enough scenarios, you know, cheating, lying, stealing, whatever, they can actually take that same way of thinking about a situation critically and apply it to a new novel situation. I love it. I love it. Phyllis, I just want to put your advice in my pocket and have it all day long, but I can do it once a week. It's totally okay. Well, I, um, I love your advice too, Joe. <laughs> That's why I love these conversations. So, you know, moving forward, you know, I think today we really wanted to normalize the sense of, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted and we're not even a month in. For some people, it's a month. For some people in the Midwest and South, they are two months in. Um, but just, just knowing that um, you know, we're still at the very beginning of the school year. Uh, we're still getting to know each other. On our last episode, we talked about this culture of belonging. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that that's still alive and well and happening every day. You're not done getting to know your kids. You're still doing activities and asking questions that speak to them as if you're interested in them and you want to continue to get to know them on a personal level, um, especially in your advisory, you know, your advisor. But 
um, you know, we're going to need this intel moving forward, you know, with whatever this year has um, and the whole, you know, like like Philip said, no, don't smile until November is not a thing. I hope no one listening here is subscribing to that because that is the opposite of what our kids need.